Well, shall we move on to the actual movie then? The, the stop n- saying the actual movie of the week. <laughs> We're long past just this just being a BFI. Guys, anime is actually it is movies too. <laughs> I I want to see an anime version of There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Shut Actually. up with the anime. Let's watch a western, a real movie. Real man's movie. Our our real movie <laughs> is, this week is uh, Punch Drunk Oil, <laughs> <laughs> directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> is a 2007 movie. It is a historical period piece from the early 1900s, and it follows Daniel Day Lewis, who is playing a oil prospector although let's be honest the oil prospector is playing daniel day lewis yeah and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> looking for oil and doing oil related things live in the american i'm not sure dream. how much yeah i'm not sure how much new we can add to the conversation about this film but we will try i think the real quick or quick note on the fact that this came out in 2007 I feel like this is a movie 13 years old that would come out sooner, like in the 2010s, you know, it has a bit more of that, like newer 24 vibe to it. It is. It is. It definitely seems like an A24 film, like if it was made today. It is a movie that every time I watch it, I'm like, I'm just amazed this movie exists because it is Mm. kind of strange in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Like like all of PTA's filmography. Yeah, but this one more so the best way possible. Uh, I just want to point out. Not not punch drunk love, not, mm. maybe. I just do want to point out that um, you know because you said it was from the year two thousand seven, which was also the year that No Country for Old Men came out, Damn. which is a mm-hmm. movie that a lot of people for some reason there's this weird like internet rivalry between these two movies. I don't know why. I don't. I think it's a very obvious rivalry. Well, because they're both vaguely westerns that came out in two thousand seven, but I do want to point they're out they're both shot in the same fucking town. Yeah, in I know. Texas. I was gonna say that for people who don't know, there's a little fun trivia story that they were shot in the same town. Is it California in Texas or Texas? It was in Texas. In Texas, they were both shot in the same town in Texas, pretty close to each other, and they had to they had to delay the shooting of No Country for Old Men back by a day because they, Paul Thomas Anderson was shooting the oil burning scene. And it was fucking up the skyline, so they couldn't shoot No Country for Old Men, because there'd just be a bunch of smoke. <laughs> so my my biggest complaint about There Will Be Blood, and it's it's huge. Is it's it? a huge complaint. Is it really? There is absolutely nothing worthwhile on the Blu-ray. Mm. Oh, really? In terms yeah. of special features. I do have- And I hate it. And on YouTube, this the YouTube channel Cinema Tyler has oh, done the world show. the biggest favor in producing like four different 20 minute behind the scenes, essentially yeah. documentaries about the making of this what film. He's got so man. I highly recommend that. Yeah. Who, um, all that content. Who did the amazing. publishing? I don't even know. For the, Landscape? the Blu-ray? There, there the, are... Blu-ray, Blu-ray. This, is, this is my friend Nathan's Blu-ray, by the way. I just stole it. There, I've seen two copies of this Blu-ray. There's the standard one where it's just the Blu-ray, and then there's one there's it's like a collector's edition that comes in a digipack. I have the digipack version, but it's a DVD. Oh, does it have more? And I don't know if there's any special features on it. Okay, I'm gonna look on Amazon if there's a. And also, let's be fair to the the special features for Punch Drug Glove also weren't great, even on the Criterion. Uh-huh. There's nothing but like. Well, I, f- I feel like I know that there's interviews with. Paul Thomas Anderson out there with Daniel Day-Lewis. There is. Just something. I don't know. There's an interview with him on Charlie Rose. Pull that. 
if you could. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Or you could just go out and watch it yourself. Do it yourself, I guess. DIY bonus features. <laughs> Need more of that. Anyway, we're this is off topic. Uh, what did we think of uh, There Will Be Blood? It's great. Fantastic. <laughs> I've seen it like six times. <laughs> this is the best Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but it's not my favorite. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I share that sentiment. This movie feels like it's three days long right one time in a good way like you just sudden you just like sink into it yeah and it's just once it starts to go crazy you know you're already just you know way into it see i can't tell if it's because i've seen it so many times but this is the quickest viewing i've had that's probably because you watched it yeah yeah, I think it's because I under I know where it's going. I that I always happens with every me. Part. Once I once I read or watched or listened to a song or something the first time, it feels like a decent amount of time, and then I go into it again. And it's over before I know it. It feels it is a two and a half hour, two hour forty minute movie, and I think in general it feels more like a two hour movie. Hmm. I it do, has some length to it, yeah. but it feels shorter than it actually is. I think it right. part of I think that that, the uh, beginning. Scene. I think that's what I mean is like, it does certainly go by, but you feel like you went through so much in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's roughly the same length as uh, Blade Runner 2049. And, and that feels that, centuries long. That just goes to show you. And <laughs> even as someone who loves that film to death, that's that's a nice, long, it's good. two hour, 40 minute movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the this is one of those movies where every time I watch it, I'm just like, it's 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 so well shot, it's stupid. Oh god! And I mean that specifically this time in regards to lighting, because oh my god, there are so many like golden hour scenes in this movie. It's so much of like lit solely by the Texas sky. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm always amazed because the camera work isn't all that. You know, it's 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 good. Obviously, the, the oh, lighting's great. great. Very wide lens, but I mean, the the blocking isn't all that complicated. It's it's a very. Uh, I think it's deceptively complicated. Okay. In some scenes, not always. Yeah, I, th- I think that it spends. But it's not it's not flashy. Yeah, I think it spends a lot of time with more simple, quiet scenes. You know, very simple cameras, mm-hmm. maybe a static camera, only to suddenly ramp it up. And really reveal all the crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. The first fourteen minutes are amazing. <sighs> crazy just goes. <laughs> I could that itself is a great short film. Yeah, definitely. Just like the story of a a silver miner turned oil guy. The editing, the cinematography, the music, the acting, like the acting <laughs> on all levels. This movie is just working overtime to just be wonderful so great so great <laughs> i don't know like that's that's just the simplest way of putting it like everything is just working 100 percent. paul dano and his except for one thing i do have a, a minor complaint but his uh his weird paul presence. dano is weird he's just weird you know in the well, best way nothing against the guy yeah yeah i've always thought paul dano has the most punchable face on this planet um, <laughs> in but, this movie especially uh, there, are, there are more punchable faces have you they they're usually in Congress, but sure. <laughs> have you watched his interview in the Criterion Closet? Hmm. I didn't know he had one. No. It's annoying. Not recently. 
I might have. It is a long time ago, though. But uh, have you? Do you guys know the story behind um, Paul Dano's character in this movie? No, I know some things, but I don't know. Please well, tell me. Well, what this is my only major issue with the movie mm. is the fact that Paul Dano plays brothers, and it took me like two or three viewings, ten or however many years ago, to understand that those were two different characters. <laughs> um, and as far as I know. Um, the reason being was that Paul Dano initially was only going to play Paul, not Eli. And Paul Thomas Anderson loved him so much he cast him as Paul or or Eli as well. Which I'm like, okay, that's cool. But they don't seem like twins. They're never in the same shot. It kind of just feels like the same guy playing two roles. And it's kind of confusing. Interesting. I mean, once you get it, you get it. But it... It's the one thing where I'm like, okay, if you had a little bit more foresight, you could have made two different characters. Mm-hmm. See, that doesn't bother me. Like, I, I like, for me, I think there's a really interesting ambiguity between the two of them and that first scene where you meet Eli mm-hmm. and uh, Plainview looks around him and he's like, is this the same person? And you are also with him there. Like, what is happening? It's a moment of confusion. And it kind of sets his character off in like kind of a, a sets him as a weird kind of guy to begin with. And you're not sure who he is, what his, his angle is. And you're just trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And eventually it becomes clear that he's kind of this religious charlatan kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. That works for me. He's a false But I can problem. see how it doesn't for you. Because it is, there is some confusion there. Yeah. My one issue with the film and it's it's a bit major. I don't know. Like it prevents me from f- fully giving it five stars, which I, I think it probably is. But I think once HW, oh, by the way, spoilers, if you haven't watched this film, everyone's watched this film. So I don't know why you probably aren't listening to a, a film podcast if you haven't seen this film. It's true. So when after HW returns and uh, between that point in the film and the maybe like after their dinner. Or like where when the plain view confronts the the oil guy <laughs> throws the the handkerchief over his face. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a bit weird. Like I've never fully gotten on board with that scene. And but after that scene to when the jump forward in time, the film loses some of its narrative cohesion. It does. In I that agree. Bit and I don't think that the film adequately transitions to its final two scenes which are great they're amazing but it's it's just kind of wonky and i never i never fully uh satisfied with that yeah uh so i have some this jacob i know you're not gonna like this but this viewing is when i finally decided okay the master is better (laughs) (laughs) i like the master more than i like this (laughs) (laughs) and i'll tell you why there's a few things that bother me about this movie. I do agree that there's this a weird little... Because, okay, the beginning is amazing. Love it. The silent film portion, amazing. When he sets up the oil thing, well, amazing. I love the oil fire sequence. Who doesn't? I think that is fantastic. The score especially, incredible. Uh, the ending two scenes are it's great. Burnt. It's literally just burned into my mind. Yeah. Oh, God. The, the, the shot of Daniel Day-Lewis, like, smiling... Well, he's not really smiling, but his teeth are out when he's looking at the fire 
and the, there's the shot of the fire where like the edges are burned where it sort of looks like an old photograph mm-hmm. the, the the most the ter- most terrifying part of this movie is when his like assistant comes up and he's like is hw okay and Dan- uh, daniel plainview is just looking at the fire just like scheming and he's going no no he isn't and but he immediately shrugs it aside and is you can see the cogs in his mind turning on how he's going to fix this that's great i do agree when hw leaves it you know when his bro- his whole the whole thing with his brother i don't find all that interesting that oh yeah that was a a weird side story yeah and i like how it ends him killing his brother but that whole little bit, um, I just, I don't care all that much. And here is my most controversial opinion, because the more and more I think about it, I I do not understand the appeal of the I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I think dry it is dumb. <laughs> milkshake. What do you guys think about drainage? I like it, but at that... Drainage, you bore. <laughs> I <laughs> like it, and I understand why it's an iconic line, but the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, what are you talking about? Maybe it's because it's he's actually drunk. It, it's from like an old rumor of something someone said oil related Is back it? then. Okay. So, yeah. But it's that part. And yeah, I don't it's, know. A, it's a strange metaphor. It is strange. Doing? And it, it's the way that it's performed in that moment. I've always found a little over the top. Um, but <laughs> the thing about this movie is that Daniel Plainview, the way that Daniel Day-Lewis plays him, he almost feels Lynchian to me. Where he's not a real character. He's so over the top in the way he talks and acts that he almost feels like a Twin Peaks character. But really, he, I think so. Compared to compare him to like Daniel Day Lewis in Phantom Thread. Where he's a quirky character, but he's a real character. Daniel Day Lewis in this movie, I'm always like, I this is amazing what you're doing, but it's very odd and alien to me. Hmm. Phantom Thread. Ugh, love that so much. I think Phantom Thread and Punch Drunk Love I like a little bit more than this. And even in those, I think the only major criticism I have over PTA's work is that he has a, a pacing uh, issue where his pacing can be a bit wonky. Mm-hmm. Not like there's no slumps. None of his work is boring. It's no. just kind of some parts, transitions between segments in his film. Can he be drops the momentum. Yeah. 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 And Nothing like nothing like other films where I say they have a pacing problem and it's because I'm bored yeah. during a, a portion of the film. But at least with Daniel Plainview's brother, that whole section, it's it's always struck me as a little little odd. Um, although I really have come to terms with it, especially on this most recent viewing about why it's in there. And particularly what was interesting about this viewing is I noticed a lot more of Daniel's. Um, his need for other people and to have someone he can trust and this dichotomy of he he really does i think want someone there Mm -hmm. by his side but in the end it's his kind of like despising of humanity of everyone around him that there's no one by his side that he would want and so he's just kind of like doomed to be alone and he kind of convinces himself that that's what he really wants. But I think he does actually love uh, HW and he does hmm. want to have some kind of bond with his brother. Yeah. That is why he kills him. 
I don't think if it was just if it was just some other person, he just would have been like, okay, go away. Get it, get out of my sight. Mm-hmm. You're you're an imbecile. But because he he you're started to form to an trust attachment. Family. Yeah. You, yeah. You trusted him. That's why he kind of snapped and killed killed him. And I like it. Like from a character standpoint, I understand that sequence now more than I did when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chandler, what's your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson? I've only ever I'm seen curious. this one. So really, uh, this one. Oh. Please, please watch Phantom Thread. Yeah. No, he's definitely on my list for sure. Okay. What's your favorite? Jacob? Yeah, watch more. Is it Punch Drunk? Um. It's probably Punch Drunk Love. That's just so much fun. I am hardcore team Inherent Vice. And I'm pretty sure, Jacob, you'll fucking hate that movie. I still need to watch it. I need to. (laughs) It's great. Punch Inherent Vice, and then right below that, Phantom Thread, right below that, The Master. And then there will be blood. I I don't know how either of you will feel about this sentiment, but I'm going to just say it, that most certainly, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in there will be blood is one of the best performances ever on screen and i think it is one of the only performances that you could make a strong case that it is the best performance ever 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 like Mm -hmm. i'm not sure you can make a good case for anything else Hmm. well i also heard i don't know if this is true but i also heard part of the reason why the original person uh, who was supposed to play eli was replaced is that Every time he acted with Daniel D. Lewis, he just got afraid. <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting yelled at by Daniel D. Lewis. Which I really want that to be true. Because he's scary in this movie. Oh, yeah. He really is. Honestly. I, I don't know if I can say it's the best. I'll continue. He's definitely in that class of characters where, like, obviously Daniel Day Lewis is Daniel Day Lewis. And he played himself, but he also it was very indistinguishable that he was an actor, you know? Yeah. The the character acting was, you know, was beyond reality. Yeah. I didn't see a semblance of Daniel Day-Lewis in this character. He's he, Daniel Plainview to me feels like a literary creation. Right. A total. It's very literary. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's very much, he's very much like, you know, it could almost not be Daniel Day-Lewis. It could be anyone, but obviously Daniel Day-Lewis was the one who could carry it. Uh, I'm struggling to find a performance that I would say is better. Right, That's that yeah. was my thought as yeah. I was trying to get to, to sleep last night. I was just like, I was trying to think. And there's a lot of really great performances, and I, and I, I don't think it's cut and dry. Let me say that. But I do think that if you're looking at it purely from just like, not really a numbers perspective, but just like, uh accolades the amount of work and effort that went into it the amount of just sinking into a role mm-hmm. that is just generally accepted mm-hmm. that there are a lot of great performances and there's performances that you that i think everyone this is not my favorite performance by the way like i'm not saying this because it's yeah no i, I think agree. it's the best i just think that when you consider the the hype around it and the fact that no one seems to disagree with that and the amount of work and effort that is clear from behind the scenes that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis went to to create this character and just everything around it. It just seems like so much went into it and it's just so recognizably good that 
like all the other performances that are considered like milestone performances, like my Marlon Brando is one of those milestone actors. Oh yeah. Particularly like streetcar named Zire. That's often listed as on one the of, waterfront. Yeah. Even that, like that is a really great performance, but I don't think it has as much like gravitas and like background depth to it. As yeah. This, this is, but. it's a character that, that every time I watch this, I'm, I'm just constantly watching his gaze his reactions just because i feel like those give you little insights into who he was and this time around as even though it's my least favorite part of the movie i was very much like the 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 little insights that you get to daniel day lewis's past or daniel plainview's past through his brother i i'm always like what went on in his childhood i can never tell if he had a really good one or a really bad one and the way he changes when he's around this guy leads me to believe that he is suppressing something. But because the movie's not concerned with that, is something that I'm going to have to do research on my own. I'm, I'm just, I'm just. Scrolling or you can create me. your own Daniel uh, Daniel Plainview fan fiction. I could, I could. <laughs> I, I think that's the move. The I'm looking through all these performances, like the big ones, and uh, ironically enough, the only one that I think of on that level is. Uh, Lancaster Dodd from the master but it's not <laughs> I, even I can admit it's not I don't know what other Chandler what would be one of the best performances you've seen beyond this <sighs> let me look into my brain real quick actor performance. also quick side note I did actually think the only one that comes close is um, P.T. Lawrence Oh, I think that one's That's pretty, pretty great as well. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'm also going to say that I don't even have a big enough Evo to pretend that I could answer that. <gasps> I know. Not to say that you guys have same. egos. Um, I'm saying that like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't, I just don't really have the background yet. I think to answer that. So, okay. Jacob, I know this one isn't the same. Sure. It's not a serious performance, but I That's am right. going to go ahead and say the dude. Hmm. Uh, I know it's hard it, to think of on the same wavelength, but I think the dude is similar. That, that's competition. Uh, yeah. That's competition. Competition, but not. Like, obviously, you're not going to get an entire history of America, <laughs> <laughs> of greed, of capitalism like you are, but you do get a sense that you see every part of this character in front of you. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, he is the dude. It's done to make you laugh, not make you ponder our history. That's fair. Yeah. I think, I think there are good arguments for other performances. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair to, to also recognize that we do sometimes, uh, really neglect to consider com- comedic yeah. performances when it comes to, the best of what about gustav h yeah oh i was just about to say ray fines in, uh, <laughs> grand Blue hotel that's probably one of the like that's a top tier comedic performance oh yeah that's one of the although greatest. i still i still my favorite comedic actor is still Cary grant because he's just great uh, okay hey you need to watch more of his stuff i've seen i've seen enough <laughs> no you haven't <laughs> what have you seen i know i'm just kidding i've seen his Bring no friday baby. and arsenic um, and old legs the fucking hitchcock one the okay but that's not a comedic role to catch a thief yeah you're right mm. jack lemon 
Carolina's pretty good. Okay, well, we could just go on forever. <laughs> just naming. Giving actors. Just want to uh, yeah. make just, a... Oh, what a, about this guy? A quick note that the cinematographer, Robert Elswit, for There Will Be Blood, has also worked on such masterpieces as The Men Who Stare at Goats. Um, <laughs> and recently, The King of Staten Island. So isn't that just fucky? Yeah, isn't that just fucky? <laughs> that is a little fucky. Well, my... My favorite cinematographer is, of course, Robert Yeoman, who did the Grand Budapest Hotel and Ghostbusters 2016. <laughs> well, let's also let's not discount Chivo, who did The Revenant and The Cat in the Hat. <laughs> what a what a world we live in, huh? <laughs> Chandler, there was a one of the last movies I watched with Jacob before he moved away was The Cat in the Hat, and we're watching it with a room in a room with our friends, and the collective gasp when we saw that chivo shot the cat in the hat <laughs> we had to pause it and double check <laughs> and yep chivo it's, shot um, the cat in the hat i mean it's a masterpiece really <laughs> i mean come on it's, that is the best part Along about that the b movie, movie it, it is a is a, a meme 21st century meme masterpiece completely <laughs> it really is uh, so here, here's another question. This is uh, "There Will Be Blood" is number three on the BBC's best uh, hundred best movies of the 21st century. Number three. Wow. Yeah. How do we feel about this in terms of modern cinema? I I don't. This is a movie that is. It's like Parasite, where when it came out, you knew it was a modern masterpiece, and there is a lot that you can look into. I think this is a very American movie. Um. I I don't know if I'd put it that high, but I do. I think it's undeniable that this is one of the great modern movies. Totally, yeah. But no country's better. What um? Do you have the? Do you do you actually think that? I oh. do think that no country's wow. much. Oh, better. I thought you were the other way around. No, no. <laughs> do you have the other two on that list on the BBC list? Which yeah, ones are, are better? Oh, uh, number one is all three of these, by the way, the top three are also on the BFI list. So excellent. Uh, interesting enough. Um, Yee Yee, by the way, is number eight. So oh, just say, yeah. Okay, nice. No Country for Old Men is 10. Oh, um, but number two is In the Mood for Love. Uh, interesting. Love it. And number one, I think we will agree upon, though, is. Mulholland Drive. Hey! Papa Lynch, <laughs> yes. Okay. I've only seen that once. See again. I know, but that's it's the a film thing. that keeps on giving. I know, that's the thing is that I think I think about, aside from Twin Peaks, which will always be my favorite thing he's going to do, I think I think about Mulholland Drive more than I think about any of his other movies. <laughs> that's nice, though. That, that makes me happy. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that list after Maybe. this one. A quick meta discussion on the BFI. Uh, where do you think that Parasite is going to place in the next Sight and Sound, this upcoming one? How do you think that's going to fare? It's got to be. It's it's going to. It's be it's it's a real top. wrench thrown into the uh, into the system. Very very modern film. Parasite is one of those rare things where a movie is just as good as the as like it. <sighs> It's rare that something this popular is this good. And 
you know, I feel like a lot of times when a movie gets this much acclaim and spotlight, there is a sort of retroactive wave of it's not that great. I don't see that for Parasite. And if anything, after seeing it five times, I just love it more every mm-hmm. time. And I can't imagine there's going to be like a collective realization that ah, this is kind of overrated. I just right. think it's going to get better. There's certainly been a very or stay the same. Yeah, there's been a very recent um, sort of demystification of Parasite where like they're showing how actually simple everything is. But it's it's done in the context of like it's still genius, though, and it's still executed perfectly. Well, it's genius because so many people don't do that. (laughs) Like it's simple and it seems like it should be simple, but it's not. Yeah, because so many people, so many films and I mean, most most people are watching TV these days and so much TV just neglects a lot of this kind of simple storytelling elements or they just repeat it over and over and over ad nauseum without Mm -hmm. having any meaning behind it. And so it's so refreshing to see something and that is both familiar in its kind of very basic construction, but also uh, doing it in a way that matters in a storytelling narrative way yeah yeah it's a movie that seemed like uh shouldn't have come out in the the creative mainstream hellscape known as 2019 (laughs) well i mean 2020 is the the main the narrative uh (laughs) media hellscape now it's now it's good none of us deserved no i i shared this this or somebody shared this graphic a while ago but i don't think i ever showed you chandler where um it compared a lot of the the best picture nominees for 2020 um a lot of it compared their uh the amount of shooting days they had Uh uh-huh um and one of the most mind-blowing things to me was that they took more time to shoot parasite than they did uh the irishman because the more you watch Parasite, you, the more you realize that pretty much every line of dialogue, every beat has a completely new and separate shot. And every one of those shots he had to rehearse and shoot five or six times. And it's just it is so it's I agree. It's very simple, but it's very masterfully done. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine that it's going That's to be very difficult. Like yeah, it's just, 20. when you consider when you consider the chemistry uh, between everybody and the Irishman, uh, that's probably a factor too. Uh, but that makes the parasite thing even that's more true. impressive. That like, you know, these people who have not quite the chemistry uh, were able to to all fit except in. for song. Right, right. So here's the thing with the BFI list. Um, as Chandler and I go through it, we are finding very interesting anomalies of placements within the list. Casablanca is a very good example of that, where it is a film that I would wager in 95% of best movies of all time lists, it is in the top 25, Mm. but it is in the bottom 75 of the BFI list. And I think that there's the way the BFI does their voting I guess like this is my wager of how they do it. Um, My understanding is they have like filmmakers and they give their 10 picks for best movie of all time or their favorite movies. And then they aggregate that together, which is why there are so many Mm. times because a bunch of people vote for the same thing. 
Um, and I think they should do their voting in a very different way, but that's, that's a story for another time perhaps. Hmm. Um, but the way, what happens with that is that people think something is going to be more voted for yeah. than so it might actually be. And so, right. And they say, oh, well, I might as well use my vote, my, this last spot on my list for something maybe I care about and just want to champion real quick. Yeah. With uh, with, with something like Casablanca too, it's like very good movie that everybody appreciates, but you know, if, if you had to put it in your top 10, I think a lot of these directors and critics who've seen a lot of films might consider, you know, something else. That's true. Because as much as I love both Citizen Kane and Casablanca, they're not my favorite movies. Yeah. And it's it's also why I think how Tokyo Story got to the very top yeah. of the director's list. Weird. <laughs> that, that seems like a very, like, wild thing. Really? And it seems like it's such a unique film and so well loved that regardless of whether people like the people actually writing it down on the list regardless of whether they thought it was the best film of all time mm-hmm. which i don't think many of them did mm-hmm. they put it on there because it was just so unique and memorable in their mind and they got to seem like they're uh they got to seem well read <laughs> i've seen a japanese film <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> everything when it all comes out said and done a bunch of people did the same thing and interesting that that's an interesting like i I, this is one of those things where you're never going to know the like what all the details that went into making this list and tracking like part of me just wants to like track everyone down (laughs) be like why did you vote for everything you did give me give me reasons yeah, they should get um that'd be an interesting yeah they should get they should have like the the voters do like a little write up maybe this time that would be cool but i think it might be interesting to do like every voter do like give us your top 10 best movie like what do you think are the best movies ever made mm. taking your your very your subjective opinion out of it as much as you can and then give us 10 movies that you think are some of the best ever made mm. from a the most subjective place and then somehow like create a frankenstein out of that or i don't know but that was just like uh some way of like distinguishing of like putting allowing people to put weight on certain things without taking away their opportunity yeah. to vote for more unique things i want to see mahal and drive and gooby <laughs> Hell yeah. Get Gooby on that list. Gooby. I think Portrait of Lady on Fire is also going to be on the next list. Oh, really? Yeah. I hope it is at least. You, you know, you, know you, tell, you tell me. Let's look at this list. <laughs> Rashomon, Portrait of Lady on uh, Fire. Come on. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, oh, I'm not in the mood for love hey. as much as I love that film. <laughs> no. Portrait of Lady on Fire. Wait, hold on. I, I'm curious. Chandler. What's up? Um, are, you, are you an in the mood for love guy or are you a chunking express guy? I'm going to say one of the worst things I've ever said in the history of my existence. Oh, no. I've not seen do. In the Mood for Love. Okay. Oh, <laughs> somebody, say it again. Sorry, my Siri went off. I don't want to say it again. Um, I, I have not No, it's, it's fine. I, to you, it's oh, fine. Oh, for some reason. I have not seen no, Here's the thing, though. In the Mood for Love. 
the the only way to win for all of us to win in that scenario is for yeah. you to have not seen one or both of the films. So we all won. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's no argument. No one is upset. I've, I'm feeling Chandler is a Chunking guy. I mean, I have in, in in stark uh, difference. I have seen the Chunking Express like 10 times now. <laughs> Same. Oof. So. See, I already know I won because you haven't seen it. So I didn't get hey, in the, move for love the negative good. answer. That I <laughs> it's good. God. It's just not Chunking good. Chunking is just. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. You know <laughs> what? Chunking is fine. Good movie, great movie. Ooh. It is. No let's let's roll this over into a third episode of Chunking Express <laughs> and in the mood for love. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we didn't yes. even say. Um, do we think there will be blood? Should be on the list. Mm, mm. Y- yes. Yes. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely zero reasons not to. Yeah, so much more could have gone wrong with the film, and it still would have deserved to be on this list. Yeah, just because of Daniel Day Daniel Day Lewis's uh, true performance yep. and the score. I feel like we didn't. Or talk just because of the enough. score, like they're like the score is isolate these elements, and you you still are left with a good film. Yeah, even with some of the wonky, yeah, pacing things. Yeah, you know, not no one's perfect. Parting thoughts from anyone about fan? Uh, there will be blood. <laughs> um. Fuck capitalism. It's one of my favorite endings to any movie ever. <laughs> I, I love the ending so much. I'm finished. I love the mu- the music. Oh, the mu- the music. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, that shot. I just I don't know. I I love the way he says it. I love the the way he's sitting. It's it's a fantastic ending. I'm a sucker for when like the character say something in regards to being done and then the the movie ends. <laughs> I'm I'm just an absolute sucker for that. Like when Frodo throws the ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking finally <laughs> cut to black. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have some notes here. Um oh, one thing I I noticed this time around that I I really I didn't make the connection before that Daniel Plainview is always uh, struggling. He struggles to get down on his knees in the the church scene, and then he's limping at the end. They're like, why does he have this limp? I'm like, oh, because he fell down the mine shaft in the beginning, and it probably never fully uh, healed. So that's why he has a limp throughout the entire. Oh, film. and oh, oh shit! And I made that about that Fuck me, and that in a way being you know the the connection with capitalism just shows that like it it prevents him from connecting with god or with community or with the people he knows oh i got a question who ate more who ate more dirt paul dano or willem dafoe uh this is a trick question it's actually josh gad and artemis fowl (laughs) oh no i wish i saw that time it's horrible. It's so bad. So terrible. There's so much more I, I could like. I just gush over the cinematography forever. So oh, yeah. I won't. Ever. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. All right. We're finished. Oh, and then. Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> the when uh, this is I, I might have already cut the podcast at this point. <laughs> so when 
Eli is confessing, I am a false prophet and God is a superstition. Mm-hmm. And Plainview doesn't even let him like like let a second go by. As soon as he finishes saying that, he's like, oh, that land's done. No money for you. Bye. <laughs> like there's no pause in between that. And I love that little little bit of direction that Dana's just like, OK, right, thank cool. you. One more question. Is this a Western? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. The bad guys come into town. I'm going to say From a no. certain point of view. The bad guy's the main character. Ooh. Oh. There is no law. See? The law is the oil. Anti, anti-hero. Mm. Lots, of, lots of interesting things about, uh, about God in this film. About religion. About uh, fanaticism. Oh yeah, that's why. That's why I think it's a very American. Both religion movie. and money. You know what? You know what other uh, piece of media has very similar themes. Mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Son of a bitch. 